Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is Tuesday, September 20th, and this is a Motocross of Nations preview special edition podcast coming to you midweek before the race. I do want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. And for those of you who maybe do live under a rock, uh, this is probably the second biggest week of the year. I, I think the week of A1, it's really hard to say that this week's bigger than that because just the anticipation going into A1 is, is huge, right? We haven't had racing for a while. We've had a couple months off, which is a big factor, in my opinion, of why the anticipation's higher because to me, these ra- these two races are very similar in hype and the pageantry and excitement. It's just a different time of the year. We, you know, we're coming off of like nine straight months of racing. So we're, we're so used to it. And I'll be honest, I was pretty burned out at, you know, the last couple of rounds of Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. So I haven't had that big break where I'm like, man, I'm fired up and, and ready to get after it again. Um, you know, and it, it's also in the U S and I, obviously that's a good thing, but it feels different to me. Uh, you know, typically this race is about me and well, I should say Steve Mathis and I making the trek across the pond over to Europe and we get to make the most of a European vacation. Um, I have been over to Europe what four times this year already. So I, I don't have this longing to go at the moment you know the the flights and all the travel and everything are pretty brutal so i'm not really necessarily struggling with that um but i do think it does feel different just you know we're going to fly to michigan and a, a little bit of a different feel than um than normal so getting into this what this podcast is going to be about i want to i want to just go team by team and give you my thoughts uh, because I know a lot of you, you've, you know, obviously follow American motocross and supercross. That's why you're listening to this podcast, but you may not follow MXGP as closely. You probably don't follow it as closely as I do because I, you know, I get to go over there and commentate it, which means I need to be prepared and I need to uh, talk to these guys and understand the dynamics and, and the rumors and scuttlebutt and all those things, um, which is, yeah, for you guys that are out there living your lives and going about your daily routine, you probably aren't paying that much attention. So I'm going to try to give you a little bit of insight. So you are the most prepared and it's just going to be a little bit of entertainment factor too, right? If you're like me, you're excited for this weekend. And this is as we edge closer to the weekend, 
but that's going to ramp up. You know, I know it'll be the same for me right now. I'm in this preparation mode where I'm trying to get everything figured out and dialed in. But once that's settled and, and you know, all of our WPS dealers and everybody has their tickets and we have everything set up, it's going to be much more about excitement and the thrill of it right now. It's about a little bit about work to be honest. Uh, but that's going to, that's going to settle and fade. And then it's just going to be getting excited about another great motocross of nations race. So without further ado, let's start this out. Uh, I won't start with team USA. I'll get to them later. Uh, I want to give you more of the inside of things you may not necessarily know about. So I'm going to start with last year's winner team Italy. And there's a couple guys on this team. You may not know a lot about, uh, the team to start with is Antonio Cairoli racing MXGP, Andrea Adamo racing MX2, and Mattia Guadagnini racing the Open Class, which he'll also be on a 450, of course. Now, Tony Cairoli, if you don't know about Tony Cairoli, uh, we, we have a lot to cover. Um, obviously, nine-time champion. He was the captain of the winning team last year in Italy at um, Mantova. I was there. And that, that's a big reason why I'm getting to do the television broadcast for this year is because I was there. I, I made the trek when a lot of the media from the USA didn't go, the Team USA didn't go. I made the move and, and showed up, right? And that meant a lot to them. I think it showed my commitment to their series, and they have rewarded me with a really coveted uh, color commentary spot for this weekend. So I, I'm very appreciative to them for that as well. Now, Caroli goes without saying... We all know his history. We all know how great he is. He even came over and raced some Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. So that should take care of itself. Now, Adamo is going to be, he's on a gas gas team right now, but he will be moving to factory Red Bull KTM next year. So that's a big move up for him. And he's had flashes of brilliance this year, but he hasn't had a lot of consistency. So it's a little bit of a um, dealer's choice for how he's going to do. Me personally, I think it's going to be tough. Um, he is a pretty good starter, but I think that this is going to be a lot of pressure for him. Uh, he hasn't been in these types of situations before necessarily. Guadagnini was on the, the uh, MX2 ride last year, and he even had his struggles as well. Crashed multiple times. So I don't, I don't expect a lot from Adamo. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he surprises, but that's just my take. Uh, and Guadagnini's very similar to that. He's been all over the map. Uh, he's been really good. He's been really not good either. Uh, throughout this season. He's talented. He was on the winning team last year, so there is potential there. But I think this Italian team has the potential to surprise, but I think it also has a potential to be 10th and not in consideration all day as far as in the conversation. So it's, it's a really, really tough one to predict kind of how they do. Next up, Team Netherlands. And they've won this event quite a bit in the past. Obviously, you know, Jeffrey Hurling's not being on this team is a huge deal. It's impossible to, to kind of uh, overstate how important that is, not having him. He's arguably the fastest rider on earth when he's healthy. So for Team USA, that's a big coup to not have him there. End of story. Um, they do have a really strong team, though, and I think if we – don't if we take them for granted that we're going to beat them just because Hurlings isn't racing, that's a big, big mistake. Uh, Glenn Koldenhoff has won this race. <laughs> you know, if you, if you were at Redbud in 2018 or you watched it, you know what Koldenhoff's capable of. He, he's always great at this event for some reason, so I expect no different. Kaida Wolf is a young up and comer, he's a factory Rockstar Husqvarna rider, and 
He's a giant, for one. He is a huge, I think he's 17, maybe 18 now, but he is a huge human. And that, that holds him back a little bit on the 250, no doubt, but he rides really, really well. And he's a future superstar in the MX2 class. You're going to hear more about him if you don't know much. Um, so, yeah, Kaida Wolf is a name you probably should learn if you're planning on watching this sport for very long. And then finally, the Open is uh, Calvin Vlanderen. And Vlanderen is, he was on the Dutch team before when they had won. Uh, he was on factory HRC Honda for the MX2, and he has since moved up to a privateer-based Yamaha team for MXGP. But he can ride really well. Um, he's, he's a rider that when he's on and it's a sandier condition, he can go with anybody in the world. And he proved that this year in Sardinia going 1-1. Uh, it was just an incredible ride, a real breakout day for him. So we need to be very vigilant of the Dutch team. Yes, they don't have their biggest star, but they are sneaky good. And they have three seasoned, I don't want to say veteran because DeWolf's not a veteran, but they have legit factory capable level guys that are coming to race this event. And they've won it a lot in the past. So it's just a team that uh, should be at the forefront of our worries. Team GB, which of course is uh, Great Britain, the UK, however you like to say that. And, uh, you know, God rest the queen. Uh, she, uh, she had passed, so I'm sure they'll be trying to, uh, yeah, have this race in her honor, I, I would guess. Um, Dean Wilson leads them off in MXGP, and, you know, most of you are U.S.-based listeners. You're going to know Dean Wilson all too well, and he just wrapped up his Lucas Oil Promotocross career. He will be racing Supercross and World Supercross, uh, but this could be his last uh, Motocross of Nations appearance. So I'm sure he'll be trying to, uh, to put in a, a memorial. Well, historic a race. Uh, I don't know the word I'm trying to say here, but a, uh, he'll be trying to make a memory with this last round. Max Anstey, another rider you should be familiar with. He's raced in the U S the last few years. We saw just how good he can be at Redbud. I mean, he was a top five guy at Redbud in Lucas Hole Pro Motocross top 10 at worst, but that could give them a really good shot. And he got good starts. He, his pace was really good. Um, so, I'm expecting a really solid day from Max. Now, the question is, is he's on DMX2 bike. The team he's racing for is Firepower Honda. They have a very competitive 250, so I don't think that's going to be so challenging. It's just, how does he look on the 250? He hasn't raced the 250 in a long time. Yes, he's been practicing, but he's also been practicing for Supercross, right? He's been getting used to the 250 for World Supercross rounds, not necessarily Motocross the Nation. So I, I don't know exactly what to make of how that's going to look other than I know he's riding well at the moment. So he should be fine. It's just not as plug and play as it would have been if he was riding that same 450 that he showed up on at, uh, I guess, what was it? Redbud, Southwick, and Millville. Are those the three? Um, so a little bit of a question mark on the 250. Tommy Searle is the final rider, and, and Tommy is a veteran. He's been racing the British Championships all year long and uh, did really, really well, won multiple rounds, and he's, he's on form. Now, is he the best he's ever been? No. But he has been racing all summer, and I've watched a bunch of those rounds live on YouTube, and, and he's looked really solid, battling with Josh Gilbert and you know Conrad Muse and all the, all the regulars in that series. He looks the part, so I don't expect any sort of drop-off as far as Searle goes, even though he's you know a, kind of up there in years as far as his, his career goes. Now we get into some more of the meat of the, the competition here, uh, Team France. And if you've watched this race, if you've 
if you're a fan of this sport at all, you know that Team France has been a force over the last decade at this event. Uh, you know, I think that Team USA has modeled our thinking a little bit um, after the things they've done. Like we, we're getting back to having our own compound, a neutral compound where our, te- our team can formulate. We've had group practices, group meetings, um, with just a lot of a lot more of uh, camaraderie and cooperation on Team USA, and I think. Team France was the driver of that. We, we've seen how closely attached that team is and how successful that formula has been. And I think we have adopted a lot of those principles because we've seen how, you know, the fruits that that bears out. So when I look at Team France, you know, we have um, Marvin Muscan on the 250, which he got a little warm up at Fox Raceway 2. Looked pretty good. Not as good as I was a little, I was afraid of, but he looked pretty good. Um, and, and I'm sure he's improved since then, right? That was, I think, a little bit of a, a test for him. And I'm sure he's continued to work and improve from there. So I think it'll be better than that. And we have to remember Marvin is great at this event. He has a really, really solid track record at this event. He knows what to do. I don't think the pressure is going to phase him. He knows this racetrack really well. It's a, Red Butt is a racetrack he's won on, I think, multiple times. So we have to factor that in, too. Um, so that's a really, really solid 250 choice for them. Uh, MXGP class is going to be Maxime Renault. And yes, he's a rookie in this class. And yes, he is a rookie for this event. But Renault is, uh, yeah, he's, he's a great rider. Um, he was your MX2 world champion last year. He, I think he surprised everybody. I know he surprised me. But his level in MXGP surprised, I would say, 99% of the people. Because everyone I talked to, was like, wow, I didn't expect this guy to be winning races other than people on his team because they moved him up. He could have stayed in MX2 and defended his championship. He didn't have to move up, and he did. He chose to and was given a factory 450 because they saw what he was capable of on it. I guess he had a few tests on the 450, and they're like, this guy can win right away. We're moving him up, and that that paid off. Um, Yes, he did battle through some injuries and and didn't kind of seal the deal, but to win races in your first year in MXGP is no joke. Uh, so we, have, we should expect the very best Maxime Renault has to offer uh, come Red Bud. And then, of course, your final, is, your final Team France member is uh, Dylan Ferrandis. Kind of goes without saying. Uh, 250 Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Champion. 450 Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Champion. He knows Red Bud. He knows this series. He knows all the riders. Um, he's racing his factory Yamaha on a track he's won on. Uh, yeah, it's, that's a very scary choice for Open. Um, there was some doubt about whether he was going to race this event because of the injury he sustained at Bud's Creek. So maybe that helps us. Maybe that detuned him a little bit. He, he, he's had to take time off. He hasn't continued to improve. And that's a big part of this, right? Because if he had come back at Unadilla, raced Bud's Creek, raced, you know, then gone on to Ironman and uh, Fox Raceway 2 and continued to get better and better and better and then build on that base as we, we roll into Red Bud, that would be scary for all of us. That, anybody that's cheering for Team USA, that would be a big concern. Doesn't mean he can't go out and win the race this weekend. That's not what this means. It just means his momentum got derailed. And that's all you're looking for. You just want the best scenario possible. 
you know, if we're, if we're cheering for Team USA here and Dylan not being able to continue to get better throughout that time and having to take more time off was a good variable for Team USA. There's, there's really no other way to say it. I'm not trying to say anything negative about Dylan Francis, not a, anything about that. You're just trying to look at it in a black and white binary way for Ferrandis to not be racing the last few and take time off is better than worse, right? That's all there is to it. Moving on to team Belgium. Now Belgium has been a really difficult team for the U S to deal with in the past. I don't think this is that year. You look at their lineup, uh, MX two class is going to be Liam Everts. You know, Liam is a youngster still. He will be also moving to Red Bull KTM alongside Andrea Adamo for next year, but he's still in this, uh, development phase of his career. I don't think he's ready to step onto the, uh, you know, motocross of nations stage per se, and do anything that's going to break out, right? He's not going to go win the MX2 class. In my opinion, he's not going to beat the likes of Justin Cooper or any of, you know, Marvin Muskan or any of the top tier 250 guys. I just don't personally see that happening. But he can get them a decent finish. He could get, you know, anywhere from 8 to 15 in the combined motos. Um, but you have to remember, like, he's young. It's his first time in this event that I know of. And he's going to be feeling a lot of pressure. And it's, he's going to have to race against 450s, which he's not used to. And it's going to be a, a really challenging day, I think, for Everts. Um, so we'll see how he handles all that, you know, adver- I don't even want to say adversity, but just the challenge. Let's see what he brings to the table. Now, the upside of that is he has his dad, Stefan Everts, and, you know, obviously his grandfather was Harry Everts, and the amount of titles between those two is just staggering, right? His dad alone has 10. I think his grandfather has four. So there's a lot of wisdom in that family to impart here, and they'll be able to keep him calm. Uh, You move into the MXGP class. Yago Geertz was your runner-up in MX2 championship, came down to the wire, right? And, And Yago will be fine. Uh, the question is, how does he do on the 450? We haven't seen him race the 450 yet, but skill level, competence, all those things are great. Um, it's just going to be, does he crash and how do, his start, how do his starts go and, and all those things. Your first time racing a 450, there's going to be a lot of questions asked of him and we'll see how he does. And then the final uh, rider on Team Belgium is Jeremy Van Horbeek. This is a veteran guy. He's been around forever. He's raced for this team many, many times with success. Uh, he's raced multiple different brands, sizes. Um, you know, he was great for Team Belgium in at Majora on the MX2 bike. He won the MX2 class that day. Now the question is, he has to he he races for Beta, right? Very uh, not a very well known brand, right? So they're still developing their motorcycle and trying to make a dent on the big you know, world stage as far as uh, pro-level motocross. They're much bigger in the off-road world and trials and those things. But I don't know how that stacks up. Um, he's had really good results on the beta and he's had a lot of troubles. You know, They've had DNFs and mechanical issues because they're still developing that motorcycle. That's how these things work. So I don't, I don't necessarily know what to expect from Van Horbeek. He is a rider, he experience-wise and his my, you know, mind as a racer, all great. I just don't know how that looks on Sunday when you factor in a motorcycle that, let's be fair, it's not on par with what he's going to be up against in most cases. I haven't ridden one, so that's probably not cool for me to say, but that's just my opinion. I'm allowed to have an opinion. 
I don't see how it's on the par of Eli Tomax, you know, monster star Yamaha. That's just, that's just my opinion. You probably won't be able to get that me off of that. So that's what he's up against though. Uh, moving into a few other teams here. I'm not going to go through every single one. Uh, team Estonia is Tanel Liak, uh, Jorgen Talviku, who we saw at a few motocross races here. And then Harry Kulis, a little bit of a sneaky team. You know, Tanel Liak is far past his prime. But if you told me this team ended up in the top 10, I would say, yeah, that, that totally makes sense because they have three, three guys with experience, and uh, that's, a, that's a big part of this race. Uh, team Germany, kind of that similar situation where don't really have the standout guys. You have Nagel, who's a former factory guy, former GP winner, but he's far past his prime. You have Simone Langenfelder, who is a young up-and-comer in the MX2 class. He's on factory gas gas. He will be pretty good. He's a really good starter as well. So you'll probably hear that name, especially on Saturday in the qualifier. And then the, the, uh, their open rider is Tom Cock. And he's more of like a, he does race some XGP at times, but he does really well in the German National Series. So we'll see how he stacks up, but I wouldn't expect to see him running at the front all day long or anything like that. So you'll probably see a lot of up and down results for, uh, for Team Germany. Team Switzerland, uh, Valentin Guillaud uh, is, is He's a great rider, right? He's riding the MX2 bike. He can surprise. If you were watching, uh, what race was that? Where were we? Sweden? I mean, he ran top three for a lot of the moto, and he was just, he was great at times this year. Then there were other times where he wasn't. So we don't, you can't just expect him to be on his best form, I guess is what I'm getting at. We'll have to see how that plays out for him. Uh, Jeremy Sewer is on the, uh, is on factory MXG, you know, factory Yamaha for MXGP. He's a multi-GP winner this year, and you should expect to see him at the front on Saturday and on Sunday. Uh, He could be a sleeper pick to win the MXGP class overall. He absolutely could. He's a great rider. He's a great dude. I'm a big fan of Jeremy Sewer. Um, So, yeah, just keep an eye on him. He will be number 22 on the factory Yamaha, Uh, but he he should be giving Team Switzerland a very, very good score. Now, the question I have is about their third rider is Kevin Bruman. I don't know a lot about him. I have seen him race, but I don't really have a strong opinion about how his day is going to go. It really probably will be start dependent. Um, and yeah, he, to me, he's the weak link on the team. That's, there's always going to be a weaker link than the other guys on the team. And I think that has to be him. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to at least get one good score. If he can get one good score... It's going to help Team Switzerland tremendously. Moving on to uh, Team Finland. A lot of these guys you've never heard of. It's going to be a tough day for them, right? Miro Suvinen, Imo Wekman, and Hera Havisto, right? A lot of these, some of these guys don't even race MXGP so much. Some of them race their, their finish series. So don't expect the world from those guys. Uh, similar for Team Lithuania. You know, the, really the only guy you would have heard of on their team is Arminas Jessikonis. But, you know, some of these guys are going to really struggle to make the A main. And Jessiconis is going to have to lead them to a good result on Saturday to make that A final. Another team, Canada, obviously, riders you've heard of. Dylan Wright won every single moto in Canada this summer, was just unstoppable, plus has multiple top 10 GP finishes. So he can, he can do the thing, right? He can be a real threat in the MXGP class. Ryder McNabb was your MX2 champion this year, really young. So we'll see what he's capable of. I don't know what to expect from him. It's gonna be a big stage and a lot of pressure. 
Um, but it's also a great opportunity, right? Anytime there's a lot of pressure also means there's a great opportunity. So we'll see what Ryder McNabb can do with that. And then the third rider is Tyler Medaglia. And he's your open rider, should be really good. Um, he had a huge crash at the last national, so keep that in mind. Hopefully he's okay from that. But T-Dags, as they call him, is a great guy and uh, a guy I always cheer for. So I hope, uh, I hope T-Dags can have a great day uh, at Redbud. And let's just scan through a few other teams here. Team Spain should be great. Uh, they have three solid guys. Uh, Guillaume Ferris, who we saw on the Monster Star Yamaha, he will be on his native KTM when they show up at Redbud. But we already saw he can be a top 10 guy in Lucas Oil Promoter Cross. We shouldn't have any doubts about what he can do uh, on the 250. Go to Jorge Prado. He's an MXGP title contender. So look for him to grab hole shots. Look for him to run around at the front. And uh, yeah, you know, his reputation precedes him. He should be awesome at this event. And then the final one is, is a guy that you should know of, but if you don't, his name is Ruben Fernandez. He is a factory HRC Honda rider, and he's been a top five guy many, many times this MXGP season. And uh, he, he did race a few MXGP rounds last year, but really this is his first full season moving up to MXGP. And I was impressed. Uh, it, pretty chaotic, lots of crashing, but the speed is undeniable. So watch for that this weekend. Watch for a little bit of volatility probably some good starts, some really fast laps, maybe some run-ins with other riders and probably some crashing. That's just, that's just what he brings to the table and we shouldn't expect uh, it to be any different than that. Team Sweden, as you all know, Freddie Noren will be on the open class, so watch for that. Alvin Oslin will be their MXGP guy. He could be okay too. He's kind of a 15 to 20 level MXGP guy, but I, I don't expect Team Sweden to really blow us away uh, with their level. Um, and just kind of looking through and seeing if there were any other real threats here. This team, Team Norway, could be pretty good. And you're not going to know a lot about them going in, right, other than what I'm telling you. But Kevin Horgmo is a, is a podium-level threat in MX2, so he could get them a really good result. Cornelius Tundell, is on the, he's on a Fantic, right? So you've probably never heard of a Fantic, but he's been winning the MX250 class pretty consistently. He and uh, Elzinga were battling it out most weekends. So he should be pretty good uh, this weekend on, um, in the MXGP class. The only question is, how does he stack up against the factory bikes on a Fantic? That's, that's a big question, right? And then their other open rider is Osterhagen, and he will also be on a Fantic. So two Fantics and a Kawasaki for Norway, which is pretty interesting, uh, but they have a sneaky good team. Just keep that in mind. If you if, you're looking for a sleeper to maybe take, take a bet on that nobody else is looking at, Norway could be that team for you. Now, the last one I want to look at here um, is, of course, well, I'm sorry, there are two, two, two big ones yet that we can't, definitely can't skip, skip over, and that's Australia. We'll get to them first. You have Mitch Evans, who is factory HRC Honda and sneaky good. Uh, when he is on, I'm telling you, he can... He can win and be a podium guy against anybody. Now, we haven't seen a lot of it. He's been hurt a lot over the last few years, but if you've paid attention at the, the, as the MXGP season wound down, you saw Mitch Evans running around at the front. That's the level I expect to see him bring to Redbud. The other two riders, everybody knows about, you know, Jet and Hunter Lawrence. Jet will be making his 450 debut, so that's pretty exciting, and then Hunter will be on his familiar 250 for MX2 class. I don't see a lot of holes on this team. 
you know, the big question is it's, it's a dirt bike race. Things happen. People get bad starts, people crash, but this is a really, really solid team. Uh, to me, they are one of the three favorites between the USA, uh, team France and team Australia. And then I have the Dutch as a really close fourth, uh, as far as the four best teams. And those are in no particular order other than the Dutch team. I have fourth, but they Team Australia could win this thing. Absolutely. And I, I promise you they're going in to this thinking that they're going to win this thing. They have you on paper. They have factory HRC Honda equipment. They're all going to be on the same team working together. There's going to be a lot of team unity and cooperation because they're all on the same OEM, right? And that, that does matter. It really does matter because everybody, there's, there's no one holding back information or settings. It's a big, another big part of it, right? If someone is like, man, this, I tried this and this really worked, some, they'll, they'll tell the other guys and it's going to translate to their motorcycles. Now, the one question is, is Mitch Evans Honda HRC 450 is much, much different than Jet Lawrence's because of they don't have a production rule. So that may be a little bit tricky, uh, but I still think there's going to be a lot of communication between the three, which helps a ton and being all, at least on the same OEM helps a lot as well. Now, last but not least, we have Team USA. Of course, you know who they are. Justin Cooper on the MX2, Eli Tomac on MXGP, and then Chase Sexton uh, is on the open ride. My thoughts on this, uh, you know, there was a lot of controversy about who was going to get the, uh, the MX2 spot. I thought Justin Cooper earned it. I thought having a guy that had raced the 250 outdoors all summer was the right choice. I also thought that Justin Cooper having raced this event in 2019 in Assen gave him an edge because he, he understands the dynamic. He knows what the pressure is going to feel like. He understands the format. He's raced against these guys before. All the, you know, he's going to have a little bit of familiarity with a lot of these guys. Um, and, and he's just been there and done it. Now, it didn't go that well other than Saturday. He killed it. But on Sunday, he crashed. And I think he broke his hand even on Sunday. But I, I like experience for this event. I think it goes a really long way as far as not freaking out on race day and the moment getting too big for you. And I've never felt that way about Justin Cooper. I think he's a very self-confident guy. And he exudes that. And I think he's going to go into Saturday and Sunday thinking, I'm going to rip the whole shot and I'm going to lead this race, right? He's not going to be thinking about, I can't blow it. I don't want to screw up. He's going to be thinking about, this is my opportunity to prove everyone wrong that doubted me. And that's, that's, that's a powerful motivator. So I'm cool with Justin Cooper. I thought he had a really nice ride at the finale to give him some confidence going into this event too. Eli Tomac, what are you going to say, right? He won both championships this summer. He goes 1-1 to finish the series. His best season ever. This change to the Yamaha obviously was a huge move and a great move for him. He's more confident than ever. He's more um, just comfortable in his own skin than I've ever seen him before. And he should come in here feeling like he owns the world. And I hope he rides that way. I hope he just puts out this air of I'm the best in the world and no one here is going to beat me because I think that's when he's at his best. He's not doubting himself. He's not doubting the settings. He's not thinking about 2018. He's not thinking about any of that. He's just keeping the ball rolling. And I think you're going to see the best EOI Tomac there is. I, I really think he's going to bring his A game because he's going to think about all the struggles and all the frustration he's had at this event over the years. And he's going to want to right that wrong 
and he's on his best form ever, right? That's a big part of this is he's going to be like, these guys can't beat me. He's going to look out there and say, okay, Tim Geister's not here. He was a champ. He didn't even come, right? Roman Febra is one of the best riders in the world. He's not here either. So who do I have to deal with? I have to deal with, oh, wait, Chase Sexton. He's on my team. So if he beats me, I don't really care. I have to deal with guys like Jet Lawrence on a 450 who's never raced won before. I have to deal with Mitch Evans, who has never won a GP before, right? So he has to deal with Glenn Koldenhoff, who is really good, and especially at this event. But when you compare resumes to Eli Tomac, it's not even the same conversation. So I think Tomac looks at the field and goes, I should win this race. I should be the best guy. I should dominate today. And I hope he can, uh, I hope that can play out for him. Last but not least, of course, Chase Sexton, what a breakout year for Sexton. I think this event gives him a chance to fix whatever he felt like went wrong at the last race. And, and remember how fast Sexton was at the last rate, race, right? It wasn't like he rode poorly. Somebody had to lose that championship, and it was Sexton. He crashed three times at Sekimoto, and I think he's going to go out in front of his home crowd because, remember, he's from this area. He's from uh, Indiana. Indiana, Illinois, one of the two. He's from right around this area. He's ridden this track a ton. He actually practiced at this track with Justin Cooper last week. I think he's going to want to go and show out in front of everybody and dominate this race. Now, does he beat Tomac? Does he win his own class? I don't know. I don't care. But I think his attitude going in is one of, I'm going to show everybody what I'm made of. And no, I didn't win the championship. We didn't accomplish the goal. But this is a hell of a consolation prize if I can win today and our team not only can win, but if we can dominate this event, all of the pain and the suffering that he felt a couple weeks ago, (laughs) I can't promise you, but I really, really believe that a lot of that will be wiped away and he won't won't even worry about that Lucas Oil Promotocross title anymore if they can pull this off. So I, I think that's a huge motivator. And it gives him a chance. It's like if you're, you lose a race, right? Everybody's like, okay, I just want to get back out there and race. You do terrible. You lose a football game. Everybody, you, you hear that all the time. It's like, I just want to get back out there so I can wipe away this pain. I believe that's what Motocross of Nations will be for Chase Sexton. It's his opportunity to fix that, to erase all of that, all of the, the thoughts and the dwelling on it and the what ifs that went on in that championship this is his chance. So those are the teams. Yes, I did skip over a few teams, but like, you know, Ireland and Venezuela, they have good riders, but I, I don't see them really being factors, um, you know, at the, at the race, because a lot of these teams have one really good rider and then they have a couple that are iffy or even two good riders and one that's going to really let them down. Like Japan, for instance, has Joe Shimoda. We know he's going to be great, but then like Toriyabe and Ashiro, we don't really know. You know, they have, they don't have any USA experience. It's going to be tough for them to jump in with the likes of Tomax and Sexton's and Koldenhoff's and be expected to give them a result on par with what Shimoda can deliver. And that's, that's the tough part. That's how this race always is. Um, that's why you don't see those smaller countries really finish at the top once the day is all done, right? Sometimes halfway they have a good one, but then you need that final score. The other guys get in there and maybe... The last moto has their two weaker riders in it, and they log two unimpressive scores, and it just kills the overall. That, that's what happens quite a bit at this event. So I hope that this uh, 
little preview, uh, gave you a little bit of insight, maybe filled in a few gaps on who's who. Um, my prediction, as scary as it is, um, I, I do think Team USA has the best team narrowly over France and Australia. It's tight, though, because this race, anything goes. We always see craziness, and it doesn't always matter who has the best team. It helps, of course, but man, so many things go on. There's so much, so much strategy and one first turn crash, one mechanical pro it doesn't even have to be a failure. It can just be a problem can change everything. So I think you have four teams that can win. I named those off earlier, USA, Australia, uh, the Netherlands and France. And I would say the Netherlands is the least likely of those four, but it's going to come from one of those four. Um, there are some outside Chances, I think they're pretty far out, though. Like Italy has an, a way outside chance uh, of getting it done. Team Great Britain has a way outside chance. I just don't see them. You're going to need to win motos to get this done. That's just how it's going to go, and, and I don't think those guys are going to win motos. That's really what it comes down to. Maybe Cairoli could pull one out of the hat, but from what I saw this summer, I don't really think so. Um, he wasn't really close to the guys like Sexton and Tomac. They were 30 seconds ahead of him by the end of these motos this summer. So just something to think about there. Also factor in, these guys are all going to be running scoop tires. That's what I think really hurt us last time is, is our uh, hesitancy to run the scoop tire. Our guys are all three going to be running it. So that's going to help. It's going to give us better starts. It's going to put us more on a, I, ha I hesitate to use the word level playing field, but before, man, those guys are so comfortable with the scoop tire and our guys weren't. And when we would go to these races, I always felt like it was a disadvantage because we were kind of stepping into their arena, especially when you're talking about these mud races where it was a no-brainer. Well, think about Tomac's run it all this whole summer. So he, of course, he's going to choose it. Justin Cooper's been on and off it, but you give him a soft red bud track, he's, of course, going to choose it. And then I think Sexton has been back and forth, but I think he'll probably end up running it too, at least try it throughout the weekend. So that just helps us. It gives us better starts, and we're not going to be at – immediately in 10th on the first lap, which is what was happening before because not only because of the tire, but a lot of it, a lot of it was because of that tire. So that's it. Thank you again to all the sponsors. Uh, couldn't do it without them. Pirelli, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Works Connection, Pro Glow Wash, Fast Foundry, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. I hope you're all cheering for USA. I know I am. Of course, if you're listening from overseas, you're cheering for your home country. It's only natural, but this event is incredible. I hope some of you are getting to go. There is nothing better. And, and I, I keep forgetting about TL Speed Shop. I, I apologize to Jason and Josh down there. Um, TL Speed Shop, a great sponsor of this podcast as well. Um, but yeah, everybody that's just a part of this podcast, thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend. If you see me walking around, I will be doing the color commentary. Yell at me. Say something about the podcast. Don't say – just whatever. Let me know that you're, uh, that you're out there. I hope to see you there this weekend. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. See you.